This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. It is a pleasure to be with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible. We do appreciate those of you that are watching today, especially if you may be watching today for your first time. We have people call or we have people to write to us and say, I, I just saw Getting to Know Your Bible for the first time, and we hope that, that we have some new uh, people watching today. We have those that watch every time we come on the air, and we want to thank you for watching as well. Now today we're going to be discussing this subject, the open doors of the human heart and the door into heaven. Those two doors go together. The door of your heart, the door into heaven. I hope you'll stay tuned today. Now, on getting to know your Bible, we offer a free Bible correspondence course. I'd like to emphasize this course is free. And I know I say that over and over again on the, on the program. And, and in spite of that, people say, now, how much does it really cost? It doesn't cost you anything. If I tell you that it's free, it's free. You see, I need to tell the truth. And I'm not going to tell you it's free and then send you a bill for it. I'm not going to tell you it's free and then ask for us to, you to send us a check or to ask for your credit card number. It's absolutely free. Anything we offer on this telecast is free. If we offer uh, a CD, that's free. And you can get a CD of any of the lessons that you uh, hear on getting to know your Bible. If you'd like to have a DVD of one of the lessons, those are free as well. It may take us uh, uh, a few weeks to get those to you, but we will get them to you. And so we have volunteers who help us in the preparation of those things, and so it does take us a little time. But we want you to know this course is free and that you might know more about the course and that you might know how to receive the course. Let's pause for just a moment. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible Correspondence Course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama, 36580, or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 8 and 9, Paul wrote, But I will tarry in Ephesus until Pentecost. For a great and effective door has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. Paul had a door of opportunity open to him, and he took advantage of that. There are various doors that are open to each and every one of us. We need to utilize those open doors. First of all, I'd like for us to think about the door of the human heart. I'm reading now from the third chapter of Revelation and verse 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, 
I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. Jesus is pictured here as standing on the outside of the church at Laodicea asking to come in. In reality, he was at the door of their heart. The word heart is a term that is used in the Bible to, to signify a particular faculty of the soul. The word heart sometimes is used to refer to a person's memory. Like the psalmist used it, used it in Psalms 119 verse 11. Thy word have I hid in my heart. It is also used to refer to our ability to purpose. In Daniel chapter 1 and 8, the Bible says that Daniel purposed in his heart. And the word heart is also used to refer to one's understanding or ability to understand. In Matthew 13 and 15, Jesus said, For this people's heart is wax gross. Their ears are dull of hearing, their eyes they have closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes, hear with their ears, should understand with their heart. So we understand with the heart. It's also used to refer to our emotions. In Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven, Jesus said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. And the word heart is also used to refer to our will. And it's with the will that we make choices or decisions. In Romans 6, 17, you've obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. It is the gospel of Jesus Christ that appeals to the heart of man. There's an interesting story, an account found over in the book of Acts, the 16th chapter, beginning in verse 13 showing how the gospel appeals to the heart of man. Now on the Sabbath day, we went out of the city to the riverside where prayer was customarily made. And we sat down and spoke to the women who met there. Now a certain woman named Lydia heard us. She was a seller of purple from the city of Thyatira who worshiped God. Now listen to this next sentence. The Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. And when she and her household were baptized, she begged to say if you've judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. So she persuaded us. Now this is the account of the conversion of the woman known as Lydia, whose heart was opened to the gospel. You know, God knows our hearts. Acts 1.24 says, He knoweth the hearts of all men. The, the American Standard Version reads, He is the searcher of our hearts. He does know our hearts. 1 Samuel 16 and verse 7 says that man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. Right now, God knows your heart. He knows mine. 
In Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20, where Jesus said, I stand at the door and knock, Jesus is pictured as warning in men's hearts. And he was on the outside of a lukewarm church wanting to come in. I may be speaking to a number of people right now who are not Christians. And I want you to know that he is knocking at the door of your heart. And he wants to come in to your heart and to be in your life. I want you to observe in Revelation 3.20 he is pictured on the outside knocking. He is on the outside knocking. And the door that is to be opened must be opened from the inside. You have to allow him to come in. When God created man, he created man with the power of decision. Man has the ability to choose, to obey or to disobey. This is illustrated in Joshua chapter 24 and verse 15. Choose you this day whom you will serve. And man can choose to let the Lord in or to shut him out. You can choose to obey or disobey. Over in Deuteronomy the 11th chapter, Mo, uh, Moses in uh, uh, addressing the children of Israel before he uh, died, explained to them in verses 26 and 27 of the 11th chapter of Deuteronomy, that they could choose to obey or to disobey God. He said, I've set before you this day a blessing and a curse. A blessing and a curse. Now verse 27. The blessing... If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today, the curse, if you do not obey the commandments of the Lord your God, but turn aside from the way which I command you today to go after other gods which have not known. Why he was letting them know that they could have the ability to choose to either obey God or to disobey God. This notion, this idea, that a person is just destined to be one of God's elect or non-elect, and that there's absolutely nothing that an individual can do about it, is contrary to the nature of the gospel. Listen to Paul in Romans 1.16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation, listen to this, to every one that believeth, to the Jew, also, Jew first, also to the Greek. And so the gospel is for all people. It's for whosoever. Well, someone says, well now, which whosoever? Any whosoever. It is for all mankind. And the idea that you're destined before you were ever born 
to either be saved or lost, to be one of the elect or one of the non-elect is contrary to the teaching of the gospel. But let me say this, the Lord will not force His way into your heart. He is pictured on the outside, but you have to let Him in. And He pleads for entrance into your heart. He says, come unto me. All ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He says, come. That suggests you can come. That you can come to him. He says, come unto me. Well, the one who said that is Christ himself. The one who said that is the Savior of the world. The one who said that is the one who died for your sins. The one who said that is the one who died for the church. Come unto me, all ye. That means anyone, anywhere, everyone. Peter came to the house of Cornelius and Cornelius fell down as though, as though he was going to worship Peter. And Peter said, and told him to stand up. And he said, I perceive of a truth that God is no respecter of persons. But, but in every nation, he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is, is accepted with him. God says, Jesus said, Come unto me all ye that labor and, that he, and are heavy laden. I'm talking to people right now that are burdened down with different things. Some of you may be dirt burdened down because you don't have a job. You may be burdened down because you have an illness. You may be burdened down because you have family problems. You, you may be burdened down because there you have an addiction. You, you may be burdened down because you realize that your life is so empty and so meaningless. And you don't know what to do. There's one that wants to lift that burden. There's a song often sung about burdens are lifted at Calvary. And that's where our burdens are lifted. The burden of sin is lifted there. Jesus says, come unto me. All you that labor in a heavy laden and I'll give you rest. The door is open. The door must be opened to let the Lord Jesus come in. Will you open that door now? Jesus said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. There's the door of the human heart. And Jesus wants to come through that door. You'll have to let him in. Don't shut him out any longer. But then there is the open door into heaven. Going back to the book of Revelation again, to the fourth chapter of Revelation, and in Verse number 1. John, of course, is the author of the book of Revelation. 
And in chapter 4, verse 1, he said, After these things I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like the trumpet speaking, with me saying, Come up here, and I will show you things which must take place after this. John saw a door open. This door allowed John to see things that was, must be hereafter. This really, really was a door of revelation. A, a door that was going to reveal to things, things to John that he would write down and that we have in the revelation today. When Jesus died on the cross, he opened a door. He opened a door into heaven. In Hebrews chapter 9, beginning in verse number 12, we read about that opening of the door. Not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, own blood he entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption for us. When Jesus died on the cross, the veil was rent in the temple from the top to the bottom, signifying that the way into heaven had been opened for all people. In Hebrews chapter 10, beginning in verse 19, the Bible reads like this, Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, now let me stop here and mention about the tabernacle in the Old Testament. God commanded Moses to build a tabernacle. It was a tent-like structure. He even told him to make it according to a pattern that he had given to him. And that's quoted in Hebrews chapter 8 in verse 5. He said, make the tabernacle by the pattern that I've given to you. And they built the tabernacle. There were two rooms in that tabernacle. One was called the holy place, the other most holy place. And the only person who could enter into the most holy place was the high priest. He would go in once a year on the Day of Atonement and offer an atonement for the sins of the people. When Jesus died, the veil was rent that separated the holy place from the most holy place. And that was to signify that the way into heaven itself, which is now our most holy place, the holy of holies, had been open for all mankind. Now let me go back to verse 19. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest, that's heaven, by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil, that is his flesh. And having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience, our bodies washed with pure water. So when Jesus died, he opened up the way into heaven, a new a living way. He made it possible for men to go to heaven. In the temple, there was a huge woven veil that separated the Holy of Holies from the 
rest of the temple. And as I mentioned, once a year the high priest was allowed to pass through the veil on that day of atonement to sprinkle blood on the altar for the sins of the people. But when Jesus Christ gave up His Spirit, the once for all time sacrifice was completed. The need for the veil no longer existed. And the veil was torn down from top to bottom giving total access to God. Hence, in Hebrews chapter 4 and in verse 16, we learn that we are able now to come boldly to God's throne of grace that we might, may find grace and help in time of need. You see, we, that way into heaven has now been opened for all mankind. The door into heaven is open. But before you can enter in through that door into heaven, you must allow the Lord to enter the door of your heart. Do you see now why the writer spoke about a newing, a living way? That the way to heaven has been opened for people that will allow the Lord to enter the door of their heart. Bible teaches that to go to heaven, one must have his or her name written in heaven. In Luke chapter 20, uh, 10 rather, in verse 20, the 70 came back from the limited commission and they were rejoicing because the spirits of the devils were subject to them in the name of the Lord. But Jesus said, Rejoice! that your names are written in heaven. Friend, to have your name written in heaven, to enter the door into heaven, you must be washed in the blood of the Lamb. And that's how you allow, and you allow Christ to come into your life and, and you obey Him and your sins are washed away in His blood. There's a passage in the book of Revelation chapter 1 verse 5. It says, unto him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Washed from our sins in his own blood. There's another passage in the Revelation in chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. Then one of the elders answered, saying to me, Who are these arrayed in white robes and where did they come from? And I said to him, Sir, you know. So he said to me, These are the ones who come out of the great tribulation and washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Go back to Revelation chapter 5 and verse 9. And they sang a new song saying, You're worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain. Now that has reference to Jesus. He was slain, crucified. For you were slain, and you have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation and have made us kings and priests to our God. We shall reign on the earth. You see, to enter in that door, into heaven. You must be washed 
in the blood of the Lamb. I've heard some preach about this and left me with the impression that they were actually saying that the only thing you need to do to be washed in the blood of the Lamb is just say, Lord, wash me in your blood and cleanse me now, Lord, of my sins. Well, what does the Bible teach that one must do to have his name written in heaven, to have his sins washed in that precious blood? What do we do? Well, the only way I know to answer a question like that is to go to the Scriptures. I'm not giving you my opinion. I want to go to Scripture. I would just like to learn what people did in the first century to be washed in the blood of the Lamb. And when people were washed of their sins in the first century, it was because they had been taught in John 6, 44 and 45. The Bible says that we must be taught. We have to learn of God. And those are the ones who come to Christ. You must be taught. Secondly, you must believe what you are taught because the source of faith is the Word of God. Romans 10 and verse 17. And in order that we might be saved of our sins and washed in that blood, we must be willing to repent or turn away from a sinful life. For example, if you've been doing things you know that are a violation of God's law, then you're going to have to give up those things, repent of those things. And it is imperative that you repent. For Jesus said, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. And he wants all people to repent of their sins, Acts 17, verse 30, and 2 Peter 3, 9. And to be washed in the blood of the Lamb, to enter that door into heaven one day, you have those sins washed away when you're baptized into Christ. Now why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Have you ever done that? He said, now, Brother Lambert, I called on the name of the Lord, and the Lord forgave me of my sins, and later I was baptized. Friend, that's not what this passage says. The washing away of sin in this verse comes after one is baptized. Arise, be baptized, and wash away your sins. Would you do it today? I want to thank you for watching today. And until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and keep you, is my prayer. Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 
Summerdale, Alabama, 36580 or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bibles.